I'm enjoying being in this place, having fellowship with you guys. It's, it, I feel really at home, uh, really in the presence of the Lord. You know, it's great when you walk into a, a congregation, you walk into the house and you feel that, forgive me if you misunderstand this, but you feel the residual presence of God. Yeah. It's like he left some of the angels just to watch over the place. And uh, so it's good to walk in and you feel like you're walking, your feet are coming into a river. And uh, you can sense the presence of God. So, as I was worshipping, uh, sometimes when I worship, I, I feel things in my body and I put my hands out like this and uh, suddenly they go heavy. And uh, the Lord, uh, if you don't understand prophecy and pictures, um, I'll use the language, um, I imagined. Okay, that might help. But um, I saw in my hands, um, I've seen this many times, um, in one hand an alabaster jar and in the other hand a jar for oil. And uh, when we worship, we break open the alabaster jar of our devotion to the Lord and the fragrance goes up. And as the worship and the fragrance go up, the oil comes down. And when we worship and when we give ourselves to worship, then it is a devotion to the Lord that's pleasing to Him. He loves it. He loves our worship. He loves commune with us. He loves to be, you know, we can be familiar, we can talk about Dad and hanging out with Dad and having fun, but He also loves that in us which truly recognizes and honors His majesty, His authority, His wisdom, His strength, His dominion, His power, the Lamb of God seated on the throne. And we get to see him and one day, you know, we'll go and stand in his immediate presence, face to face with our bridegroom. Incredible. And so by his grace, he has opened our minds and our eyes to join him in that place. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. So I want to encourage you, if you want to sustain the presence of God, learn how to worship on your own. Learn how to worship. When I say on your own, you mean I mean in his presence on your own. Dietrich Bonhoeffer calls corporate worship corporate prayer. He says that this is one of those opportunities when we sing together that we come into an alignment and an agreement about the words we sing. So it's important that the words we sing, you know, carry the truth of scripture. That they carry us into the presence of the real Jesus. But uh, there are times and places where we need to have the, the, the heart of a worshipper as David had the heart. You know, David could go through any trial. The loss of his family, the loss of all his possessions. And it says in the story of uh, Ziklag that David strengthened himself. He encouraged himself in the Lord. On his own. Everybody else had uh, lost hope, they'd lost vision, they'd lost faith in God, they'd lost faith in David. They were bitter unto murder. But he went and he encouraged himself in the Lord. And as he opened the jar of fragrance and the sweet smell of his personal, devoted worship life. You know the little boy who used to take his stringed instrument into the fields while he watched the flock and he would have time with the Lord on his own. That little boy knew how to commune with God. And so he begins to worship and as he begins to worship and the fragrance goes up, the anointing 
comes down for strategy and deliverance. And I want to encourage you, in the car, on your own. You know, we have um, a... uh, Sorry, I'm on the wrong side of the road now, so we drive like this and we go like that. You drive like this and you go like that. Is that correct? Okay. We'll discuss which is the right side of the road later. But we have a a nasty twitch in our hands, don't we, when we're driving our cars, which is, I'm going to turn that radio on, I'm going to put a CD in, I'm just going to, I'm going to get my fast food at this point. And uh, it's good. Worship CDs are wonderful. CDs, actually, boys and girls, shows my age. Um, If you say, I'm going to take that, that really shows your age. (laughs) Okay, so... Let's just begin to worship. I want you to learn how to sing. I want to encourage you to remember songs. Learn a song. Learn a few songs. Now, the old charismatic songs had the ability to uh, you know, be easily remembered because they were simple, they carried scripture, and in that they, they had an anointing. And I, I want to encourage you, if you write songs, write those sorts of songs. Anyone heard of Jamie Smith, the worship leader? Maybe not, but she's good and she writes verse and, uh, and puts music to it. Oh Lord, you're beautiful. Your face is all I see. For when your eyes are on this child, Your grace abounds to me. Oh Lord, you're beautiful. Your face is all I Jesus, we want to dwell in the secret place with you. The one who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest, abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Because you love me, says the Lord, I will rescue you. I will protect you. For you acknowledge my name. You call upon me and I will answer you. I will be with you in your times of trouble. I will deliver and honour you with long life. I will satisfy you and I will show you my salvation. And so in the same way that we devote ourselves to personal worship, we devote ourselves to the reading of scripture in the power of the Spirit. You see, so often we've been robbed by shame and guilt and fear and and the law into thinking that we have to read scripture we have to read it because if we don't do our ceremonial religious duty then a a divide has come between us and the Father between us and Christ 
I want to tell you that if you are in that place, somebody has bewitched you. Somebody has cut into you. Come back to your first love this morning. Come back to the fact that when you were first saved, like when we were first born, we had no qualifications. When you were first saved, you didn't understand the scriptures. You probably hadn't read them. Maybe you had. Maybe you grew up um, hearing the scriptures. But we are to commune with him. We're to walk with him. And, you know... When we meet together like this as the body of Christ, living stones being built together, we are the summation of our personal walks with God. And that becomes the temple in which he dwells. We are personally, as I said yesterday, you know, a Jesus suit (laughs) that he gets to wear. The Holy Spirit in you. But I just want to encourage you, this is not the talk as such. How long? (laughs) Tell me. Okay, I've got a few minutes. Um, this is just, I just want to tell you what I do. How I keep the river in me. I just worship Jesus. I, I stand in the shower and I, 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 I and walk the dog as well, but not, you know, in the same condition. Uh, <laughs> dog in the shower. Sometimes we do put the dog in the shower because she likes to roll in stinky things. But um, the fact of the matter is, you know, I just, I just... I start to worship and I'll go from one song to another song to another song to another song to another song back to the first song I do combinations you know and I'm in one verse and then another and I just want to say that you know it's as we fix our thoughts on him it's as we uh, you know we break open the alabaster jar he comes and so we carry his presence we practice his presence and it absolutely makes a difference to everything the favor, the face, the presence go with us. Do not send me up from this place if your presence does not go with me, Lord. For how will the nations be able to distinguish, how will we be distinguishable from the nations? And uh, you know, when I said yesterday, Moses used the word um, presence, it's the same word to mean face. I want to you know, when your eyes are on this child, when your face is towards me, That's what we want, isn't it? And so the abiding peace will come in the midst of a storm. The faith will come. The gift of faith will come. To know, uh, and you know, there are three levels of faith. There's uh, baby faith. Baby faith is walking on water. Okay? Um, Peter got out of the boat with baby faith and walked on water you know um, Jesus just says I tell you what I'm, I'm going to show you a few more laws of physics you didn't know about you know about 9.81 meters per second squared I'm going to show you another law and it's this come I'm telling you to come and so you know he just you know just opened up another dimension to the laws of physics and off Peter went baby faith is just to accept the fact that uh, if, if we need a healing if we need a deliverance it, it's all God yeah. and none of me you know, I, do, I don't heal. Jesus heals through me. And so, you know, Peter didn't have the power to walk on water. He said, Jesus, if it's you, bid me to come. And he, and he says, it, it is I, come Peter. So he, he started to step out onto water because Jesus said to do that. It's, not, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? I, I don't know the way, uh, or rather, I do know the way um, to the airport. What I do is I get in a car and someone takes me. You know, little children know the way to grandma's house. They get in the car with mum and dad and then they get there. 
They don't have to know how to use the GPS. They don't have to know how to drive a car. They just have to know to be in the right place. So baby faith is the, is the, the acceptance of the fact that uh, God is God and I'm not and he does the miracle. So if he chooses to do something, I'm going to do it. The hearing the voice of God comes out of what we've just talked about, a devoted, open, sensitive, soft life before him. Second level faith is persistent faith. The widow who, uh, who said to the corrupt judge, give me my rights. Okay, let me put that another way. The gates of hell shall not prevail against you. You see, the corrupt judge knows the law and he's bent the law in favour of what he wants to happen. And the widow knows the law and she's saying, give me my, my rights. You see, a new law has been established in the resurrection, which is, whatever you ask in my name, it shall be done. And so Jesus is, you know, at the end of that, parables have a punchline, and the punchline is this, but will I find faith in Israel? Will I find those who will persist? The third level of faith, which is the one we, we should um, aspire to operate in, is expectant faith. And that's the Isaiah 61, Luke 4 faith that Jesus had. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. He has anointed me. And so we become a doubt-free zone. We don't have the plan B. We just live in the expectation of the favour and the blessing and the face of God. So I want to encourage you with this stuff. You know, this is, it's not some bolts, it's simple. It's not rocket science. A child of eight can, can be the most anointed person in the room because they devote themselves to the Lord and they trust him and they, they have these simple things. Today I just want to, in a few minutes, mention to you um, the grace of God and the glory of God and how we um, see ourselves operating at higher levels with both of those things. I think I have uh, some notes somewhere. Maybe not. Maybe I don't need them. Um, if you have a Bible, you might want to turn to Revelation 4.1. simple uh, word and uh, I'm just using this word as, uh, to give us a flavour of uh, what um, has happened and what it looks like for us to be believers. Here we are in commune with God, you know, giving up our worship and receiving the presence of the Holy Spirit to empower our lives to transform us from one degree of glory to the next. But as we think about expectant faith, as we th- try to consider getting beyond I hope this works <laughs> then we need to um, look at what has ha- actually happened John tells us in Revelation 4 after this I looked and there before me was a door standing open in heaven and the voice of the one I had heard at first speaking to me like a trumpet said come up here and I will show you what must take place at once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with somebody sitting on it. We know who the somebody is. And uh, Revelation um, borrows from 
or is influenced in its imagery from Daniel 7, the Son of Man and the Ancient of Days. And it's very interesting in chapter 1 of uh, Revelation that the Ancient of Days of Daniel becomes Jesus. You know, the Trinitarian nature of the Revelation. And so what we have to think about is that if we're going to go further into the glory, further into revival, we have to be prepared to go higher into grace. And uh, imagine we uh, filled up a couple of weather balloons. You hear about the guy who strapped a few of those to his armchair? <laughs> he got to 22,000 feet. Holding on to his uh, armchair. In fact, I believe he appeared on the air traffic control radars. It was in the... It was in the um, the lanes of the aircraft. It's cool. Just look that one up. Uh, I'm not sure, to be honest. I bu- but didn't he drop it? That was the problem. As he took off, he dropped it. Okay. Well, no pellets, but he has a gun. <laughs> so the fact of the matter is, you know, how high dare you go? You see, Peter stepped off into the baby faith of it's the supernatural life for us. It is getting beyond what's humanly possible. But he started to look at the wind and the waves. I wonder how far out he got. I don't think he swam back, by the way. I think Jesus lifted him up. And he walked back. But he started to look at the wind and the waves and and started to apply the natural mind to, to what was now a new revelation. The supernatural life. And he started to sink. And the point at which um, we, you know, decide that we've, we've run out of grace, then the glory runs out. You know, the widow who, who kept pouring out her jars, pouring out her oil into the jars. When there were no jars left, the oil stopped. And... We are called, we're called uh, essentially to grace and we're called or, or into the glory, into the presence of God, into the things of God, the supernatural life, um, according to the grace that's been given us. As the scripture says, you know, be it unto you according to your faith. And so we want to go further into the things of God, don't we? We want more of him and more of us. Normally say less, but... You know, I want to be all that Christ intended me to be. And so, you know, we want to be both of those things. We want to see more and more and more of the revelation of God in our lives and more and more and more of the revelation of the person that he intended to be, me to be, when he saved me before the foundation of the world. So, it's my redeemed life. It's truth through personality. So, celebrate who you are. Celebrate your choices, if they're good choices. Celebrate your preferences of food and and music and all of those things. Because God intended you to be you. He's happy about you. And so, in Revelation we see there is a door that is actually standing open. And we know that the door, we heard yesterday, someone gave a wonderful uh, picture of the veil torn in two by the hands of God. The door is open. And will never again be shut. It didn't say unzipped, it said torn open. The heavens were torn open over Jesus. And so there is always that open heaven, that open door through him. And we have to therefore go deeper and deeper into an appreciation of how much we're saved. 
of how much has been done for us. Paul, later on, um, when he's speaking to the Corinthians who were fixated on gifts, um, fixated on um, wisdom, um, the wise being those who were the very spiritual and everybody else was a little bit silly, but Paul has to go and say, the wisdom you have isn't wisdom, because amongst you there are divisions and, you know, there are lawsuits taking place and, you know, there are all kinds of immorality um, still amongst you. And he was trying to get, you know, the ocean out of the boat, wasn't he? It's all right being a boat in the ocean. The problem is when the ocean is in the boat. And, uh, you know, cult- the culture of Greek-Roman society was still prevalent in the church. There was still a pecking order. There were still issues going on. And so he starts to train them up and release them from one culture, one kingdom into another, in another realm, the kingdom of heaven. And uh, it's a wonderful letter. But one of the things he says is, uh, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each one. And so what that teaches us today is that we are all qualified by grace. We are all qualified um, to to serve and minister in his name. He has appointed you. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on you. He has appointed you to bring good news. Where you are. To the the city, to the um, office block, to the college campus, to your friends, to the school gate with the mums and the dads taking their kids to school, to your, you know, gym class, whatever it is. God has appointed you. because to each one he has given. And so, we realise therefore that we are qualified by the grace of God. 1 Thessalonians 4 says, We know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. How do we know this, Paul? Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power. Oh, cool, you mean like my hands start to shake? Well, possibly, but also through the Holy Spirit you got this, deep conviction. And the conviction that you got is that, he is, that the work of the cross is a finished work for you. Yeah. That you can now enter the rest of God. Hebrews says, strive to enter the rest of God. Yeah. And so we are qualified by grace. <coughs> Some people, when I go on the lifeboat, um, or, or I go out into the world, they're quite surprised to find I'm a pastor. And the reason they're surprised is not because I'm smoking a cigar, drinking a whiskey and, you know, all of those things that, you know, happen in the pubs where I live. It's, um, it's the fact that I'm just ordinary. If I keep quiet who, who I am and what I do, um, they're later on surprised. Not because I'm backslidden, but because they thought, um, you know, that pastors were pious people who lived in the ivory tower. Jesus surprised people with, the, with his approachability. And we are ordinary people, qualified not by our intellect. And Paul says this, doesn't he? Not many of you are wise. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God has taken the foolish, the things that are not, to shame the proud and the wise. We were reflecting upon this in the car yesterday as we were talking about the Scriptures. And so God is um, qualifying us by grace. In other words, the church is testimony driven. We, all we have is our testimony. That's all we have. It's, it's all in Him. The church is testimony driven. Um, if you want to grow a church, then get good testimonies. Because when 
the man whose ankles were um, lame from birth was picked up. As he was picked up, he was healed. We're told in Acts chapter 3, people ran, ran to see what God was doing. You see, when we have a testimony of what God has done in our lives, today, yesterday, this week, a fresh testimony, manna is fresh. Have a fresh testimony. Have a fresh word in your heart. When we have those things, people will want to come and see what's going on. Secondly, it's the manifestation of the Spirit, isn't it? We are qualified by grace to each one is given, but also it's the manifestation of the Spirit. And we are distinguishable by the presence. And the presence will begin to make us Christ-like, both in word, as Paul says, Romans 15, word and deed, in signs and wonders, and in the power of the Spirit. Um, Jesus said it like this, when you go into a village or a town ahead of me, um, sit down, eat what they eat, be with them, get to know them. And then when you get to know them and they feel comfortable around you and can see that you're not judgmental, you're accepting of them and that you care about them, heal their sick, cast out the demons. And when you've done that, proclaim that the kingdom has come near to them. What the modern church has done is we've reversed that. And so the first thing we do with our communities is we shake the dust from our feet and say, you're a bunch of sinners. And we condemn. The first words out of our mouth are not acceptance, but condemnation. This is how we, um, in the evangelical Western church, preach the gospel. And we say, you're a sinner and you need to be saved, so you need to come down to my church and get to that that altar and, and repent of your sins because you're a bad person. And so we then say, okay, now um, we're going to baptize you, we're going to add you to the church, and, um, you know, if you stick around, next month we're having a healing meeting. You, we'll heal you, and uh, if you stick around long enough, we'll put you through our encounter course, and we'll cast out the demons. And then when we're happy that you're kosher, we're going to then um, invite you to one of our small groups, and if you stick around long enough in one of our home groups, maybe you'll get an invite to the barbecue. And we'll like you, because you've proven yourself to be of worth. That is an inversion, I won't say perversion, but it's an inversion of everything Jesus taught them about evangelism. So let's um, revert to the methodology of Jesus. Go and make friends. Go and love on people. Go and find out what their issues are. Don't just go and sell them Tupperware. You know, or Amway, you know, um, where you wait just for the moment where you can get in there. You know, just go and love on people and be their friends. Be a good neighbour, be a good friend to your work colleagues. Be around them, be around their stuff. Know the names of their children and and pray for that family. And in the fullness of time, God will give you an opportunity to see a demonstration of the Spirit's power. I worked at... um, in a, four, a group of Ford dealers and there was this woman and everyone called her the dragon and oddly enough she was in charge of um, our software and our, our servers and our mainframe and we used to use Kalamazoo software I don't know if anyone's ever worked there but uh, Ford Motor Company in the UK all of the dealerships and everything used Kalamazoo software so I used to have a tie that had Kalamazoo written all over it how, how prophetic is that? So I've, I've, come, I've come upstream, you know, I'm on pilgrimage. Uh, uh, what can I tell you? 
And this woman, the dragon, um, she was a really unhappy lady. And one day, um, she fell down the stairs in her home, and she really hurt her back and and her and her arm and her elbow and everything. And she had um, she was getting cortisone injections. She was in a great deal of pain. And in around the dealership, um, you know, people were saying, "Well, that's her comeuppance, if that word means anything to you." And uh, you know. Uh, and one day I just said to this lady, um, you just need to know I'm praying for you to be healed. Yeah. And she went, oh. And, and like a tear in the eye sort of thing. But she was, a, you know, she was a hard woman. A hard, unhappy woman. And uh, anyway, so I just left it. And about a week later, uh, one of the other staff members came in and said, have you heard that about the miracle? And I said, uh, no. What, what miracle? Oh, well... Um, uh, this lady, I can't remember her name, let's call her Betty. Betty's going around telling everyone she has been healed by a miracle and you prayed for her. Wow. And what happened for this lady is, one night she woke up in bed and she, she was slept in an awkward position. And she said, oh no, I'm, not, I'm just not going to be able to get up from this position. And when she moved, she found she had no pain whatsoever. When she got out of bed, she found that all of the injection marks from the cortisone injection she'd been having, everything had gone. She said, even, which ladies you may appreciate this, she says, my skin looked younger. My hair looked great. When she got up, she received her healing. And so, you know, we're to go make friends with the, with the unlovely, aren't we? We're to go reach out and we are to uh, carry the glory to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit and it is for the common good. The common good is for everybody. You see, Jesus, the gospel's for everybody, isn't it? You carry his glory, the weight of his presence, for those who are not here. Go make friends. Go and get into their lives. And God will give you in the right moment an opportunity to share your testimony or to, um, you know, do, just do what I did. I didn't say, come here, lady. And I didn't get the bottle of oil and make the sign of the cross on her head and hallelujah. I just, um, all I did for this lady was I just said to her the truth. I'm praying for you. In the name of Jesus that you will be healed. So she knew in the healing she received, the source of that. I could tell you other ones um, just like that as well, but there isn't time. You go, go and get your own testimonies. Okay? And then come back and celebrate them and give the glory to Jesus and worship Him. To each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit. So we are qualified by grace. We are distinguishable by the glory. It's the presence with us, the thing we were talking about when we drive to work. I used to ask, I used to get out of the car and I used to say this, this was my prayer every single day, Lord, please, just one opportunity today to say something for Jesus. And you know, we can go weeks and weeks and weeks without doing that. We can get so busy and and we can start to um, believe, you know, the reports from the enemy's camp about what's going on in our lives. And I'm telling you, God has appointed you for a time such as this. To live in his presence, which is essentially to live a revived life. Under the sustaining presence to each one is given. And so we're presence-centered, we are testimony-driven, but also we are here for the common good. We are authenticated by love. You see, there are many reasons and motivations why we can do things. But love should be the highest motivation. It's the purest motive. 
the love of another person, to give to someone who in this lifetime will never be able to pay you back, to do it quietly, to give them um, a hand up, to give them a word of encouragement, though they don't deserve it, though they have been unkind to you, to give a blessing in the place of a persecution is the highest and purest form of love. Jesus gave that to us and God is love. And this is love, that while we were yet shaking an angry fist at him and nailing him to the tree, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ gave himself to the undeserving. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I can never pay him back, but I can always be thankful. Yeah. And so I want to encourage you to um, live an authenticated life, a life of love. It's not about, you know, the fireworks of signs and wonders. It's about imparting what you have received of that mercy and that love to another person. It's for the common good. And so when we do this, we become a beacon. Now, I don't know, you probably don't have beacons in this country, do you? Okay, similar idea, but in in our country, I'm going back to maybe um, the Spanish Armada invasion, that sort of time. Um, what they did was they used to have uh, Beacon Hills. And sometimes you look on a map in England, you'll see Beacon Hill. And on top of that hill, they'd have a, a round stone building. And, uh, you know, handmade stone, dry stone wall. And in that, there'd be a roof on it, they would keep dry wood. And a man would be paid to sit on top of that hill and keep fire. And uh, if the signal went up in one place... He would take the fire that he was keeping lit and he would light the ready wood. That then would be a light that cannot be hidden, like a a city on a hill. And so before, you know, faster than text messaging, in the 16th and 15th century or before, they would get a message 10 miles, 10 miles, 10 miles, 10 miles, 10 miles. You know, across, you know, faster than a horse could ride. And we are called to be testimony-driven, presence-based beacons in the community. People should know this is where the love is. They should know this is where the miracles are. This is where the testimony comes from. The source of the testimonies is the believers who are living in an expectant, devoted life. And then, you know, the fire goes up and something is... A word of hope goes to the community that the Christians have the love, the Christians have the hope, the Christians have the answer to my need. I'm going to go where they are. And it draws in and it speaks to the community another message other than what you'll get from the airwaves. It speaks of another worldview. It speaks of a Christ who is risen. And with us now by his Spirit. So I want to encourage you this morning, you know, press in to the grace because the the more you hold on to what Christ has done already for you, the further you are prepared to go into accessing the things that he wants you to access. If you think that you are in some way disqualified rather than qualified, you will not believe you have access to the Father. You will not believe he's going to answer your prayers. But this morning... I want to encourage you, this week, go to work. This week, go out from this place knowing I am qualified by the blood of Jesus.
to be a carrier of His glory. And because I am qualified by Jesus to be a carrier of His glory, to each one is given the manifestation, I am also here for the common good of this place where I am. Jeremiah told the people, don't curse the cities of Babylon. Where, you, where God sends you, pray for that city. For if it prospers, you prosper. And I want to encourage you to pray for your businesses. I know some of you are already doing this. And it's not just, you know, for material wealth. It's for the souls of those people. You are the one to contend for them. Amen? Amen. Someone say amen. The preacher will stop. Hallelujah. So, Dad, we just want to say thank you um, that we are indeed um, mightily qualified. Um, not by intellect, not by degrees, not by worldly standards. We are mightily qualified through the Holy Spirit, through His deep conviction that this grace of our Lord Jesus Christ brings me into the love of God. And because of this, I have the fellowship of the Holy Spirit with me now. Everyone say, with me now. With me now. And forever. Amen.